Good morning. My name is Felix, and uh, I lead the high school ministry here. And our sermon title today is Consumed. And I'm going to read part of that. In case you didn't catch it, it was a really fast video. It's only a minute in length. It says, if I'm unhappy, I'm missing something. I find it. I buy it. If I want to get it, I accumulate. I collect. I acquire. I take. I use. I devour. I consume. I'm not the center of the universe, but I'm the center of mine. I want to know what's in it for me. I want to know what I can get out of it. I'm here to find happiness. I live for comfort. I exist to be served. The world exists to serve me. I am the customer. The customer's king. I am king. I watched that little clip about 20, 25 times or something this past week. And uh, it really just keep thinking about it, how this has become us. That it's not just this guy in the video, but it's us here today. And we collectively have become a consumer nation. We live to be served, and we buy happiness in a cup or on a plate. We indulge by the mouthful, the eyeful, the stomachful. We are an all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-see, endless, bottomless, free refill society. We know a goodbye when we see one, and we can smell a sail a mile away. We want the most for the least. We look for the value menus in life. Turn over to John chapter 6 as we read about this. First point today is, what are you consuming? As you saw in the video, there's a lot of things we can be consuming, whether it's gadgets or food or drinks, jobs, positions, success, a lot of things out there. We're going to talk about this. John chapter 6 and verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Do not work for food that spoils, but something that endures for eternal life. What are you consuming this morning? Ask yourself that. What is it? Because a lot of times in our culture, we can consume so many things. We, we just eat it up, whatever it is. You know, for, for me, uh, recently it's been football, and my team is USC. So if you know anything about football, we did not do well yesterday. And uh, it was hard. You know, I was, a, I was a, not feeling super well last night, and I had to go to sleep, but I was consumed with watching this game. I was like, I'm going to push through. And I was telling my wife, and I was like, I'm going to push through this. And, you know, I'm just going to watch. And, I, and she said, no, you know, you probably should go to sleep and stuff. So I did, but I was consumed. I was thinking about it. I thought about today. Someone brought it up today, and it was like, oh, I'm sorry for your team. No! I, I'm consumed. I'm a fan. That's me, right? That, that, certain things can be fine, right? In our society, even some things can actually be encouraged, like success or your job. Or if you have money, that's encouraged. Hey, man, excellent job. You are making a lot of money. 
but we can be consumed with those things. Maybe even being physically fit, like our bodies, we can be consumed with those things. Or even our face and the right moisturizer and cleanser. Oh, I know women and how many things they have to make them look the way they do, and it's great. We can be consumed with those things. What is it for you? Isaiah 52, verse 2, sorry, Isaiah 55, verse 2 says, Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Now, I think when Jesus made this, made mention of this scripture here, and I mean, he was, he just said it. I'm sure this was in the back of their mind. Oh, Isaiah said that. Something very similar. Why labor for things that will not satisfy? There's a pit, there's a void, there, there's something in us, every one of us. And I appreciate Augustine sharing today and his life story and how he was trying to fill that gap with things. Now, this quote here uh, by James Kaufman, it says, The immortal soul of man cannot be satisfied with the most wonderful things that the world has to offer. Man cannot be satisfied with wealth, with honor, with pleasure. Where is the man who has ever been satisfied with wealth and who says he has enough? There is a void in the human heart which such things cannot fill. This is, I found interesting. It says, on William Rockefeller's tomb, there's this inscription. Our souls, O God, were made for thee, and never shall they rest until they rest in thee. Now, I'm not sure if you guys know about William Rockefeller, but he's a, he was a pretty rich guy. Yeah. Uh, kind of owned New York. Something like that. You can Wikipedia his name later, you know, if you want more information. But this guy had wealth like you, you, you could not imagine. And we praise that. And on his tomb, he said, we, where is there true rest except with thee? He didn't have enough. Money, wealth, whatever it is, he didn't have it. Yet we constantly do this, don't we? We look for something to satisfy, to quench our thirst, right? It's almost in just ads, media, everywhere. They're marketing for us. But it's even gotten into the church and how we view God, unfortunately. You know, there's certain things, like I said, that, that are good, that, that society says, hey, you know what, money, success, being physically fit, all those things, those are good. But then there's other things that society really doesn't say that are, are good. I, th I think about the guilty pleasure consumption. Now, for me, and we think about food, my guilty pleasure is uh, the Doritos Locos Tacos. It's such a dirty food, honestly. If you don't know that, it's like the Cool Ranch Taco. They made a Dorito, and they made it into a taco shell, and then they stuffed what they think is meat, or what I think is meat, inside of it. It tastes so delicious. When I go, I try not to bring many people or tell many people about it. I did bring one of the teens, David, one time, and, you know, we just called it a bad decision. Hey, we're making bad decisions. And we're like, I know. <laughs> Tastes so good. 
But those are guilty pleasures, right? Like, you don't really want people to, you're not going to have that for Thanksgiving dinner, right? That's, it's not appropriate. But we have these for sin or things that we go after, certain things that we consume. There are guilty pleasures. And when no one's around, or maybe it's just one other person, our accomplice, then we're into it. That's, what, that's who we really are. That's what we really want. That's inside of us to fill that void. And yet, after I have the Doritos Locos Tacos, I feel like a Doritos Locos Taco. <laughs> right? You never feel great after eating those things. And it's the same, same thing with those things that we're consuming. We don't feel great when we do it because there's momentary, momentary happiness this momentary feeling like, oh, okay, I think I'm satisfied. And that, sh- that, that just goes away very fast, very quickly. Like I said, this consumer mentality has gotten even into our church. Right? If we look back in, into this uh, scripture, and it even got into the, these guys here, chapter 6, verse 28 says, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert and is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. He's, th- these guys are asking Jesus, what will you do for me? These are the same people who just were, were given, these are the same probably, some of them were at the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. They go away, or Jesus goes away, and he, they find him. They've already seen miraculous signs. They, they ate and had their fill, and they're still asking, what will you do for me? We ask that with Jesus. We can come into church and sit back as spectators and say, what are you going to do? you going to make me laugh? you going to make me cry? What are you going to do for me? Don't we do that? We treat God the same way. But it's built into our culture. If you don't like this church, hey, there's a church right down the street. Who's going to make me feel better? I don't really like this church. I've got too many old people. Go right to the other, other, other place. I don't like this church. They don't have lattes. All right. Well, you don't have lattes. Yeah. These seats are not very comfortable. What will you do for me, Jesus? And it's so embedded into our culture. It is embedded, it's, it's, it's our mentality in church. That didn't feel good. That didn't sound right. I'm going to leave and find somewhere better to make me feel better. Now, the, the, the sermon that Jesus gives here or the lesson that he gives, he actually drove away a lot of people in the end. What's in it for me? Are you asking God that? Is that your mentality? Because honestly, a lot of, for a lot of us, it is whether we think about it or not. We show up. 
Are we going to be entertained? Are we showing up to give? Christianity is not convenience. And it's never meant to be convenient. Except we, we like to think it has. We like to think, okay, I want it to make me feel good. I want the warm fuzzies. I didn't get the warm fuzzies on Sunday. It's not what we're supposed to do. You might get the warm fuzzies, and that's great. Cool. But that's not the purpose of this. Purpose is something deeper and more spiritual. You know, my, my, I have a pet peeve, and I just have to kind of go off for a second. But uh, it, it's, in some ways, the way we treat church is even worse than the world treats other things. Like, for instance, you go to a movie, right? And one of the movies, because I have two kids, I haven't been able to see movies very often, all right? But we did go and see Despicable Me too, right, in 3D. I mean, we splurged, okay? We got popcorn. I mean, it was a big event, you know? And we went there and had a great time. Guess what I talked about after watching Despicable Me too? Despicable Me too. That's what I talked about. I talked about, oh, man, did you see those minions? There were zombies. Isn't that cool, Jake? And I was talking to my three-year-old son. He was like, yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> he brought it up later. We talked about it, and there was like a little song, and we were, we were doing it back and forth. And... But for us, we get done worshiping, 11.30. Hey, that sounds about right for Chipotle. <laughs> man, I really can't hear anything over this. Or we talk about something else. We just got done worshiping for an hour and a half, two hours, and we don't talk about what we just did. We don't talk about the sermon, the communion, what we sang. Let's go on our merry way. And maybe something will break off in memory later on while you're eating your Chipotle, and you think to yourself, but there's no discussion. That's my pet peeve. How can you experience this and not talk about it? How can, you, how can these guys look to Jesus and say, what are you going to give to me? That seems absurd, but we do it all the time. This is not just a routine. There's something more, something deeper. We need to be consumed. Amen? All right, cool. That's just my pet peeve, all right? So how much are you consuming? That's another question I have. A lot of times when you consume too much, you, you tend to be desensitized toward things. You know, like I said, I have a three-year-old son, and we're trying to teach him how or not to say certain words, and I'll say it because we're all adults here. He says the word stupid sometimes, and it's become a, in our house like a, like a, a curse word. <gasps> he said it. I know. You got to go talk to him. So actually, you know, he's talked to several people who've come over to our house, and it's a, you know, it's a buzzword. You know, even saying it right now, I feel really bad. Um, but I'm sensitized toward it now, right? I, I, I resensitized my nature because you could just say that stuff all the time, or even worse. You know, something on a deeper level for me was alcohol, and. I, they, thanks to my families, I guess, on both sides, there's alcoholism. And I'm the product, so it's just like this super, I could become a super alcoholic, I guess. 
So even drinking sometimes, I feel like I'm looking for the next one. I'm not just having a beer, but I'm thinking about, what about the next beer? Because it makes me happy. There's something really that makes me feel good. And so what I had to do, I had to resensitize myself. And recently, for the past several months, I've just don't drink. And you know what? Is it, is it a sin to have a beer? I don't think so. I really didn't talk to Ron about this before I sp- I'm talking about this, but... <clears throat> Glad you're back, Ron. But recently, I went out to dinner, and, uh, you know, we had, had uh, a friend back in town, uh, and we went out to dinner, and there, there was a beer or alcoholic beverage there, and everyone had some, and uh, it was a little bit, and I felt the pull. Like, I felt like I want that because I'm sensitive toward it. Before, I was just like, oh, yeah, sure, have, it, have a beer, whatever. But now I'm, I'm so concerned. Man, I, I feel the pull. You know, I'm, I'm glad I'm not doing that right now because I feel that there's, there's too much of a want there. I crave that in my nature. And who knows? I might never drink again. I don't know. But I'm glad I'm doing it to, to resensitize myself. Because I consumed too much that I, I, I forgot what it was like to start at the, at, the, at the very beginning. And a lot of us do that same thing. We consume so much. We indulge. We devour to the point where we're desensitized. Let's resensitize ourselves, our, our nature, our culture, the things we watch, the things we say, the things we put in our mouths. Let's go back to that. Amen? All right, let's keep reading here. John chapter 6, verse 32. It says, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and yet you still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of, the, of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is this, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. He's saying that his, his Father, God, his will, is that we should all be raised on the last day, that we should all have this eternal life. But it involves us too. It involves this belief. In that. Now, I think these guys thought they were pretty good believers at this point. They were following him and things were going pretty well. They might have even called themselves a believer in Jesus. But then he drops this on them, right? He drops the truth. This is pretty intense. 
he says that I am the bread of life. If you consume me, then you will have life. Verse, let's keep reading. Verse 41. It says, At this the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent him draws him. And I will raise him on the last day. It is written, the prophets, they will be all taught by God. Everyone who listens to, to the father and learns from him can, comes to me. No one has seen the father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the man in the desert, yet they, did, they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. He constantly draws us back. And to me, this is a bit scary. He drops the truth, right? And people don't want to hear this. They start grumbling. Did he just say that he's the bread of life? Yeah, he, he did. He said that. There's a lot of areas, though, that we want the truth. Like when I go to the doctor, I want him to tell me true things, right? I don't want him to say, hey, you know, you're, you're pretty good. What does that mean? I came in because I had an issue, and you're telling me I'm pretty good? You know, we actually went, uh, a lot of us went to a Gordon Ferguson class yesterday, and he spoke exactly on this. He said that uh, he went to the doctor recently, and he had, uh, like, you know, he's going through a checkup, and I think he, Gordon's a bit older. I won't give an age because uh, I, I, I might not do it justice, but he's a bit older. And so he's getting, you know, his checkup, and, you know, the doctor says when uh, he's getting his heart checked out, he's like, okay, good boy, you know, you're doing well, or things like that. But this time he kind of stopped around his heart, kind of stopped there and kept going. He felt better, but then the doctor kept coming back. And it made him nervous, and turns out he, you know, he has some heart issues that he has to take medication for. And Gordon made this point that he wants the right information. He wants the truth. He wants to know that when he takes the pill, that it's not going to kill him because it's something else that for somebody else. He wants to know that that prescription was made exactly for the problem that he has. In life, it's the same way. I'm going on a plane later this week. I hope that everything's going to be fine with that plane, that someone has told me the truth, that there's enough gas in the tank to get me there. I want to know that. I want to be truthful. But when it comes to morality, when it comes to the Bible, what is truth? Oh, truth? Oh, that's relative. What's true for you is not true for everyone, right? How has Satan pulled that one over us? How can he say, you know, I can go out and just have sex with so many people and just throw caution to the wind and, hey, you know what? Who am I to judge? The truth is that's wrong. 
The truth is, if you live like that, you will die. You will go to hell. That sounds really bad, though, doesn't it? Do we really want to say those things? Now, let's sugarcoat it. Because that truth is hard. And, you know, the truth about this is that he's saying that I'm the bread of life. He's comparing himself to Moses, that he has come down from heaven for them to consume. That is crazy talk. But that's the truth. And think about truth. Truth does not change whether you believe in it or not. It doesn't change. Hey, you know, I believe that I can fly. Hey, that's a nice belief. Hey, I believe that the Trojans can win the national championship. That's a nice belief. Truth is, you can't fly. Truth is, my team stinks this year. <laughs> I've come to grips, too. I mean, this is that I'm not going to get any, any taller. You know, I thought, just to let you guys know, 5'8", I've been the same size since 13, you know. Like I really was, thought I was going to be a lot taller. I went to the doctor, and they said I was 6'2". Sweet. Never happened. You know, I, I hold out and I kept telling people, you know, hey, you know, people grow till they're 25. I'm 29 now and, I, you know, maybe 30. Maybe people grow till they're 30. I don't know. It's something hard to accept, though. At least for me, it was. It was hard to accept that, you know, this is it. This is as good as it can get. All right. But for us, it's the same way with the Bible. Sometimes it's hard to accept but it's the truth. And these guys had a choice. They're confronted by the Son of God himself saying the truth. And they had a choice to either walk away or to stay. Verse 53 says, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him, just as the living Father sent me. And I live because of the Father, so that the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is like zombie stuff he's talking about. When I started reading this, and I was thinking about the minions and Thinking about vampires, he's like, wait, hold on, drink my blood? If you were these people at the same time, at that, at, at that given moment, you'd have to question it, right? Wait, I'm supposed to drink your blood and eat your flesh? Yeah, this sounds crazy. Of course, Jesus was not talking about that literally, right? He's talking about figuratively. But he's saying that if you don't consume me, if you continue consuming all those things that you guys are, and all those things, you will have no life. You will die. That's a hard truth. That's something hard to swallow. But you know what is great about this? Is that he's saying, if you do consume me, you will have eternal life. This is actually, it could be either really good news or really bad news but it's up to you. 
You know, somebody uh, recently in our, our teen ministry who is, you can tell when someone's been consuming and just loving and eating up the Word of God. Uh, one of our, our teens, Andrew Mayfield, is uh, studying the Bible right now. And uh, I, you know, have to share this because you can really tell, like when we get to our Bible studies, it's just like, just blow away that he's just consuming it rapidly. You know, I asked him about how school was this past week, and I was like, hey, man, how was your day? And he was like, it was cool. But what, really, what was really cool is that Josh from the campus ministry, you know, him and I hung out at 5.30 a.m. We had a Bible, you know, like kind of a Bible study, you know, for like two hours at Starbucks. And I was like, wait, is this Andrew Mayfield? Did you say 5.30 a.m.? He's like, I had to have a venti caramel frappuccino, but it helped. He's consumed with it. He kept, he kept talking to me about his, you know, the Bible talk that they're doing over there at Valencia. And that's awesome. He's consumed with it. It's great to see that. Are we doing the same? Are we eating up the scripture like that? Or was that one, did we do that once a long time ago? Or is this your eating time now? Man, that was, I'm really full. That sermon was great. I'll see you next week. Are we consuming Christ? Because if we do, we will have eternal life. That void will be filled. But we've got to stop filling with all this other junk as well, right? Let's see what their, their response was. In verse uh, 60, it says, On hearing it, many of the disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? And in verse 66, it says, From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. This was not, in our day, considered a really awesome sermon. If most of you never came back here again next week, I don't know if I have a job, number one, Number two, people would not think that was a great sermon. But regardless, he was preaching the truth. And the great thing about it is that if you are hungry for this, then it's awesome. It, but if you're, you know, because they were hungry. They came to him because they had their full fill and they were like actually looking maybe for a free meal. Hey, we're hungry, but we're not hungry for that. We don't want that part. You know, I remember going to Old Town in Pasadena, and we, we, we went out to eat at Cheesecake Factory. And I think, I forgot who I was with, but one of the, we were on a double date, and the couple had uh, their leftovers. And they said, you know, I want to take my leftovers because someone might want to eat this. And I was like, ew. Like, I don't want to eat that. But they were obviously thinking about someone who was homeless, right? But my first thought was like, I had my fill. I'm definitely not going to eat that. Like, I don't even, I, you know, you kind of get squeamish sometimes when people are like, use the same fork and they try to give it to me and they're like, oh, have some of this. And I'm like, eh, maybe get my own fork, you know. I don't know. Just me. But when you're really hungry for something, you need it. You devour it. You know, we walked out of that restaurant and there was a guy who they gave that food to. And he was so grateful. 
I remember his face. He was like, hey, thanks. Thanks a lot. Why? Because he needed it and he was hungry. Are you hungry for the word or do you need to go out still? Do your own thing to figure it out because if you're not hungry for this word, you're going to walk away. Maybe you won't walk away literally. Maybe you'll keep coming back here, but in your hearts, you won't be there. Maybe it will continue to be a routine. I encourage you to be hungry for the word. Matthew 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's have our fill this morning. Let's quench our thirst with Christ. Let's be consumed. Amen. Let's all stand as we sing our last song. Amen. At this time, we're going to stand and sing Send Me Out, which is on your song sheets.